Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, and more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God can be found at our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Today's message and past messages can be found at our websites for free listening and free download. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. God does accept deathbed words of have mercy on me, a sinner. But God does not accept deathbed words of, I was born a Christian, I've always been a believer. So, now we see what happened to Isaac when he heard that, in verse 32. He hears these words, I am thy son, thy firstborn, Esau. And what we see now, in verse 33, is the first effect that these words, that has on Isaac. When he hears these words, we see the effect. See, because... He's hearing someone say, who? You know, you know, firstborn, who? That's what God said you know, in heaven. Because he watched Isaac sell his birthright and give up his right to being the firstborn. And then he comes along and he says, I'm your firstborn. And so Isaac says, who? And God says, who? <laughs> so it's an echo. All right, verse 33, it says, and Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, who? Where is he that had taken venison, brought it to me, and I have eaten of all before thou camest, blessed him? I, in other words, guys, he said, I blessed him. And then he says very important words at the end, yea, and he shall be blessed. See, first we read that Isaac trembled very exceedingly. And that description, when you read that in English, he trembled very exceedingly, it's like superlative. I mean, it's like the translators, they say, what's the most extreme words that we can find in our English language? Very exceedingly. And he's describing this trembling when they say Isaac trembled very exceedingly. And there's a reason why they did that, the translators, because it's how the Hebrew describes this trembling that Isaac experienced. Because in Hebrew here, there are several words packed in here used to emphasize just how much Isaac shook. First, there is the word harad. Harad, it means to shake like with a great earthquake. Harad was used to describe what happened to the earth around Mount Sinai in the giving of the law in Exodus 19.18, where it says, and Mount Sinai was altogether in a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as a smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly, harad. That's the word there. So that's the word, the first word. But wait, there's more. There's a second word. Because the second word in this verse is the word harada. Harada, which means to tremble as in fear, to be afraid and tremble from fear. Harada was used by Daniel to describe what caused the people to hide themselves in this fear, it says in Daniel 9, 7, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. See, the great quaking is the word harada, and it caused them to go hide themselves. They're afraid. So the first one is just like a ground trembling tremendously, and the second one is a fear, a shaking from fear. And there's a third word, a third Hebrew word that's packed into this very exceedingly. And that's the word gadol. 
And gadol, what's it mean, Irene? Good. Big, large, me, I'm gadol. <laughs> I need to go on a diet and not be so gadol. Yeah. See, gadol means great, big. See? And then the fourth word is the word me'od, me'od, which means very much, <laughs> very much. You know, I love you, me'od. <laughs> I love you very much, he says to the anyway, Song of Solomon. All right, so anyway, so it means very much. See, these are the four Hebrew words packed together that tells us what happened to Isaac. It was a harad, it was a haradah, it was a gadol, it was a meod. It was an uncontrolled, convulsive state of extreme shaking, as it would be written in the New England Journal of Medicine. So, (laughs) the question is, why was Isaac in this state of prolonged, severe, uncontrollable shaking? What was he shaking about? Why was Isaac shaking? Was Isaac shaking because he was angry? What do you think was the reason Isaac was shaking so much, so severely here? Was he angry? No. He was fearful. Isaac, and let's describe Isaac here, blind Isaac. Blind Isaac has just had his eyes opened. Because physically blind Isaac and spiritually blind Isaac has just had his spiritual eyes opened. And now he knows far too well. He knows far too well what it means to be blind. He's physically blind. And he's just realized he has made himself spiritually blind. And now God has opened his eyes. And what he sees shocks him. He is startled to his core. What does he see, Isaac, that makes him shake so much? First, Isaac, spiritually speaking, sees a hand. What hand does Isaac see? Does Isaac see Rebekah's hand in masterminding and master plotting this whole deception? He doesn't see that. Does Isaac see the hairy hand of Jacob with the goat hair strapped to it, impersonating Esau? He doesn't see Jacob's hand. Isaac sees the hand of God. And when he sees the hand of God, he sees the hand of God that has just overruled his decision, and that makes him shake uncontrollably. Isaac has just seen the hand of God stopping Isaac from blessing Esau and causing Isaac to bless Jacob, and that has terrified him, and that's made him tremble very exceedingly. See, it's like Isaac has seen the finger of God It's interesting when God describes the commandments that he gave to Moses, that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, you know, some may look and say, well, that's the law of Moses, that's how it's called, the law of Moses. Oh, those are the Ten Commandments from Moses, and they call it the law of Moses. But God makes a point of describing the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down in a very interesting way in Exodus 31, 18, when he says, and he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of commanding with him upon Mount Sinai, Two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with what? The The finger of God. Written with the finger of God. Do we need this detail? God says you need that detail. You need to see it was written with the finger of God. The commandments are described as written with the finger of God. That so impressed Moses that when Moses wrote his book of rehearsings, which is the book of Deuteronomy, he's rehearsing. 
because he knew Jewish people have tendency to forget about God. So we're going to rehearse it again and again and again. That's the book of Deuteronomy. And when he was doing this and he came to the subject of the law in Deuteronomy 9.10, he said, and the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God. And on them was written according to all the words the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. So Isaac trembled very exceedingly because Isaac saw that the finger of God was involved in this overruling, and he saw how rebellious he had been against God and that he had not been successful in his rebellion against God. There's no person that will ultimately succeed in a rebellion against God. Nobody can win a battle with God. Nobody can say, God, let's go to the mat and win. See, when God sees a person rebelling against him, God has two reactions that were given to us last week when our brother Dave Hall spoke in Psalm 2, 1 through 4. His first reaction is, why? Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers of the earth, take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let's break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. That's his first reaction. And the second reaction is, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. See, he that sitteth in the heavens shall sakach, which is where Isaac comes from, yitach. He's going to laugh about it. When God sees a person rebel against him, first he asks the question, I don't get it. God says, why? (laughs) Why would anyone think that they could win against a war against God? Why would anybody think that? And then, after he asks the question, then he laughs. He says, it's a, it's a laugh. It's, a, it's not a laughter of humor. It's a laughter of derision. And Isaac was not trembling because Jacob deceived him and because Jacob stole the blessing from Isaac. Isaac was not trembling because his wife had masterminded and orchestrated this great deception and the stealing of his blessing. Isaac was trembling because he sees that he's rebelled against God and he's trying to find a place of repentance in his rebellion, which he does. And what's important to see about Isaac is that there's no anger in Isaac. There's no anger in Isaac. There's no anger in Isaac against Rebekah, who tricked him, who masterminded it all. There's no anger in Isaac against Jacob. There's just no anger in Isaac. We see now, in verse 33, that after Isaac stops his uncontrollable severe shaking, then he asks two questions. Who, as in who are you, and where? Where is he, as in where's the one I just blessed? See, now when we look down to verse 35, we can see that Isaac, he does actually know who the he is when he he says where is he. He understands very well it's Jacob. He knows who he's talking about here. You know, this is not a father who has become senile has forgotten the name of his son, you know, when he said, where is he? It was Jacob. He knew that. It was Jacob he had just blessed. You see that? So the question is, why didn't he say Jacob? Why did you say, where is he? I mean, is your son, did you forget your son's name already? What's the matter with you? No, he knows his son's name's uh, Jacob, but he doesn't say it. Clearly, he did not forget the name of his son, Jacob. Clearly, Jacob's name had not slipped from his mind. But Jacob has just pulled the greatest deception in his life on Isaac, and Isaac knows very well Jacob's name. But Isaac does not use Jacob's name when he says, where is he? 
And there's a reason for it. Because the reason that Isaac does not use Jacob's name is because what we are in the middle here in this verse is a process. This is for Isaac the process of the greatest repentance in his life. Repentance is a total turnaround. When a person repents, his whole world is turned upside down. His opinions change. His viewpoints change. Everything changes. Before people repent, it's like, there's no big deal to that. But now, it's a great sin. It displeases God. See, and Isaac is in the process of this repenting over how he has viewed Jacob. See, in the past, Isaac viewed Jacob as not my son. He's not my son. He never called him son. Rebecca calls him son. He never called him. He called Esau's son nine times, I don't remember, 13, lots of times. Never called Jacob his son. As a person who has just, in Esau's ways, you know, Esau's ways, he took advantage of Esau's hunger, and he got Esau to sell his birthright, then Isaac has despised Jacob ever since he did that to Esau, maybe before, who knows. So every time Isaac said the name Jacob, he said it with Jacob Newman. (laughs) Now Isaac is in the process of changing his view of Jacob from the despised son to the promoted son. And until this repentance is completed, he doesn't use the name Jacob. See, for all of Isaac's life, Isaac has thought about Jacob, the not my son. Jacob, the servant of Esau. Jacob, the not chosen by God. And now Isaac is repenting, and he's in the process of saying, oh, Jacob, my son. Jacob, the ruler over Esau. Jacob, the chosen by God. So what we see in the first part of verse 33 is Isaac in the process of repenting. And he's just like, like, well, before we get to the name Jacob, just give me a little time to reprocess this a little bit. So I got to receive him. So, and then what we see is that Isaac further said at the end of verse 33, where is he that had taken thy venison and brought it to me? I've eaten all before thou camest. I have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. See, what's important to see at the end of verse 33 are the words, I have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. Those words show us how Isaac had a quick recovery. He had a quick recovery from his sin of rebellion against God. When Isaac said in verse 33, I blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed, Isaac was saying, I had blessed Jacob, and he shall be blessed. You know what he could have said? He could have said, I did not consciously bless Jacob. I was tricked by Rebekah and Jacob. I retract that blessing. You know, I'm a victim of fraud, he could have said. <laughs> he said, a blessing is only enforced if the blesser knows what he's doing, and I did not. I am the victim of fraud. I cry foul play, and that blessing doesn't count. I wanted to bless Esau and not Jacob, and now I'm going to retract my blessing on Jacob and push forward my original plan forward and bless Esau. See, He could have taken that stubborn position, but that's what makes the words of Isaac at the end of verse 33 so significant when he says, I have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. When Isaac said in verse 33, I have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. Isaac realized that his rebellion against God had been overruled by God. When Isaac was saying, you know, I blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed, he's saying, I'm going out of the business of rebelling against God. He said, I'm stopping that. 
And if God wants Jacob to receive the Abrahamic blessing, then who am I to stand in God's way? All right? Supposed to marry the tailor, whatever his name was, you know. (laughs) We don't have the son we had when we began. Anyway, so when Isaac said in verse 33, I blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed, that's when Hebrews 11.20 took effect, where it says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. Isaac did not bless Jacob by faith when Jacob was impersonating Esau, and Isaac thought he was blessing Esau. Isaac blessed Jacob by faith when he knew he was blessing Jacob, and that happened at the end of verse 33 when he said, I have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. And what's so encouraging for us when we look at verse 33 is how fast Isaac repents and recovers himself from the sin of rebellion against God. Because You know why? Because the devil, the devil wants to say this, oh, you've been so terrible. You've committed great sins against God. You've been away from God for such a long time. What makes you think you can just come back to church as if nothing happened? What makes you think you can just speak to God freely now? Well, you've got to repent for a long time. You've got to do a lot of penance. Yeah. And it's going to take you a very long time to come back to God. Your repentance is going to be a very long time for you to get right with God. You fell a long way from grace, and now it's going to take you a very long time to get back to God's favor. I hope you like stripes, because you're going to be wearing those prison stripes for a long time. <laughs> and that's why verse 33 is so encouraging, because it says no. It's just a fast repentance, a fast recovery for all of his life. Isaac has said, Esau will be blessed, Jacob will not be blessed. But within one verse, Isaac makes a total turnaround, quickly gets right with God. Praise God. Verse 33 shows us that anyone can quickly repent and get right with God. So, in verse 33, we've seen Isaac's repentance, and now we see Esau in contrast to Isaac. This is the thing to see in verse 34. You've got to look at verse 33 and verse 34 together. Verse 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. See, the Hebrew is interesting here as well, because when it's compared to verse 33, verse 34 has very similar words to verse 33. In verse 33, we read, Isaac trembled very exceedingly. And in verse 34, we read, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. And we saw in verse 33 that there are four Hebrew words used to describe Isaac's trembling. And two of those words were me'od and gadol, and those are the same words which are used in verse 34. See, but the two words that are conspicuous by their absence are the words harad and harada, quaking and fearful shivering. Those are not found in verse 34. There's no trembling in verse 34 for Esau. There is fearful trembling in verse 33 for Isaac. There's no anger in verse 33 for Isaac. There is a bitter cry of anger in verse 34 for Esau. Up until now, Isaac and Esau have been like this, inseparably linked, bosom buddies, together, echad to the nth degree. So between verse 33 and 34, we see how Isaac and Esau part. And from verse 33 and 34, we see how Isaac and Esau go down different roads. 
Isaac and Esau go in different directions. When Isaac sees he has been in rebellion against God, he trembles and gets angry with no one. When Esau sees that he's been tricked, he doesn't tremble. He becomes bitter and angry against Jacob. Now, I said that Isaac got angry with no one, but actually that's not really true. Who does Isaac really get angry with? Himself. Isaac, he does not get angry with Jacob. He does not get angry with Rebekah. He gets angry with himself. because, And this is another point of departure from each other between Isaac and Esau, because Esau does not get angry with himself. Esau gets angry with Jacob. Isaac took his frustration and his anger and turned it against himself, which brought about Isaac's repentance. Whereas Esau took his frustration and anger and turned it against Jacob, which brought Esau into a hard-hearted bitterness. And with his words in verse 33, yea, and he shall be blessed, Isaac accepted that Jacob would be blessed. But when we look at verses 33 and 34 together, we see these two opposite responses. See, Isaac's response in verse 33 is, and Isaac trembled very exceedingly. Isaac had a fearful trembling of repentance over how wrong he had been. But Esau's response in verse 33 is, he cries with a great and exceeding bitter cry. Esau had a severe, angry cry of bitterness over how wronged he had been by Jacob. And that's the significance of the two different words in verses 34 and 30, uh, 33 and 35, trembled and cried. The severity was the same. In both cases, it was a gadol meod. It was a very great. But in Isaac's verse 33 case, it was a gadol meod repentance. And in Esau's verse 34, it was a gadol meod bitterness. And it was their response to the change in their plans that marked the departure from each other. See, God's chastening hand for us is always a change in our plans. We didn't plan that. You know, we didn't plan for our lives to work out this way. We didn't plan for us to hit the rocks, to hit the bottom in life, the end of our rope. We didn't plan for us to be so disappointed and frustrated, but with that frustrating disappointment comes the great crossroads in the way for Isaac and Esau. And verse 33 of Isaac is the trembling way of humble repentance and blaming self. And verse 34 is Esau's way of a bitter self-righteousness in blaming others. You know, I remember a Christian psychologist one time, and he said that whenever a patient came to his office, instead of probing for symptoms, you know, with the typical doctor, you know, the typical doctor question, what seems to be the problem? So not, not that question, but he, he said, I don't care about the symptoms. I want to go right to the cause. So he says, before you tell me anything, before you tell me anything, just answer one question. And the question is, who are you mad at? See, that's the cause. Because he found invariably that psychological problems stem from a self-righteous, bitter blaming of others. And in verse 33 and 34, they mark out the difference between Isaac and Esau. Isaac and Esau went down different roads or different ways, the opposite ways for Isaac and Esau. And it came down to essentially this. When a frustrating disappointment comes in our lives, who do we blame? 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor. That's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor, at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing this Thursday? Come to the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California for our Thursday night Bible study and fellowship. This Thursday at 6.30 p.m. we'll study aliens, UFOs, and what the Bible says about them and answer the question, are we alone? And what does God's Word say about close encounters of the fourth kind? Join us at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Call us 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or creationsd.org creationsd.org.